Good morning. How are y'all this morning? Uh, my name is Joe Cade. I'm the minister here at Memorial. We're grateful that you're here. It's a little bit of a different day uh, in our worship service today. The 11 o'clock service has a lessons and carol service that involves a ton of our people. And so uh, typically where we'd be balanced in our two services in worship, it's going to be uh, a little out of balance today, and we're grateful uh, to have you all in worship today with us. There's a number of things I want to tell you. Um, number one, if you have prayer concerns that you would like to be shared during the service and also prayed for on Tuesday morning, if you'll raise your hand and our ushers will bring you a card. If you'll just print and uh, write legibly, then uh, we'll know uh, what that prayer is and share it throughout the week. Um, those of you who have taken angels, please uh, have your gift, angels from the angel tree, please have your gifts to the church office by Wednesday, December 16th. These gifts will then be shorted out and delivered by class members on Saturday, December 16th. We appreciate members here at Memorial supporting this project. Uh, Harriet Johnson would like me to say that families who have ordered poinsettias may take them home today or next Sunday after the 11 a.m. service. We have five of them here. Please remember to keep the plastic saucers on the bottom, assuming that's the voice of experience uh, when you put water in there. And thank you for adding to the beauty of each of our worship spaces. Um, you have a statistical sheet on the inside of your bulletin. Um, we have the good news of the week every week, and typically it's at the beginning of the service. Um, but the good news of the week is going to be following the sermon just before the offering. Uh, Mary Lee, who has uh, headed up our stewardship program, has just tremendous news to share with us. And um, that will be our good news of the week. On the back, there's a table. And on that table is uh, all kinds of opportunities to help us with this service, get it set up. Um, there are a number of different skill sets that each of us have. Each of those skill sets, whether it's um, um, lifting or whether it's uh, moving slightly to make more beautiful or whether it's putting on the screen, whatever it may be, whether it's helping with our children, a number of opportunities that you can help us. And if you want to volunteer, um, you are free to do that on the back, on the table. We're also going to uh, um, being able to sign up online for those items. I believe that's it. Let's begin our worship service. Please stand and sing with us. Shining in the east beyond them 
certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay. Noel, 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 Noel. Born is the King of Israel. Noel, 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 Noel. Born is the King of Israel. Born is the Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for bringing us all here safely. We thank you for the freedom to come here and gather together because we know that not everyone has that freedom. Lord, and we pray that in this season that we'll be able to uh, see you in everything that we do. Lord, and we love you. In your name we pray. by me forever and love me 
Please come up for the children's sermon and the lighting of the Advent calendar. And uh, I've been told to tell you, please don't eat the flowers. Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I shall go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the harp, O God my God. Psalms 43, 3 and 4. It's getting closer. The days are shorter, but the lights burn brighter. We've gathered together in the house of joy. We're here to praise God with beautiful music. Today, we light the candle of joy. We worship God with exceeding joy. Good morning, y'all. You want to come closer? I brought a present today. This is a present that we have under our tree already. Do you guys have any presents under your tree? Yeah, you do. <laughs> I have to say, we don't have that many yet because I haven't done a really good job wrapping, but we have a few. So, anyway, I heard this story one time about a little boy who checked under the tree every day and looked at the presents. Do you guys do that? No? Okay. Well, as he checked under the tree, he looked to see if any presents had been added and if his name was on any of them. And then after that, he took them and he arranged them and piled them up and he counted them to see how many everybody had. Y'all don't do that either, do you? No. Oh, you do? Okay. Okay. Well, one day he discovered that his sister had more gifts under the tree than he did. He became so upset that he ran into the kitchen where his mom was fixing dinner and said, oh, Katie has more presents under the tree than I do. He cried, and then he turned, and he ran away from the room. He went into his room and shut the door, and he sat there and pouted. Can y'all show me a pouty face? Yep, that's about probably how he looked. 
He couldn't even enjoy Christmas because he was so upset that his sister had more gifts under the tree than he did. But you know what? What he didn't understand was the real joy of Christmas is not in how many gifts we receive, but in sharing what we have with others. John the Baptist was sent to prepare people for the coming of Jesus. He told them to repent their sins and prepare their hearts for the coming of the promised Messiah. What should we do? They asked him. And he answered, if you have two coats, you should give one to someone who has none. And if you have food, share it with others who don't have any. And that's the same message that we need to hear today as we look forward to Christmas. If we want to experience the real joy that Jesus wants for us, then we must learn to share. And by sharing what God has so generously given to us, we will receive an even greater gift. And that's the gift of joy. If you'll bow your heads and pray with me. Dear God, help us to learn that in giving that it is in giving that we receive the greater gift, and that is the gift of joy. Amen. And before you go, I brought something for you today, but I want you to get two. I want you to get one for you, and I want you to get one to share with somebody, to give away, okay? This morning we're asked to pray for healing for Steve Willman uh, with liver cancer and healing for Walker Phillips, a little boy suffering from a seizure disorder. With those prayers that were shared with us and the prayers that weigh heavy on our hearts, let's uh, pray together. <laughs> Amidst rappers, which is fine, that's cool. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for gifts and wrappers, and how much fun it is to unravel a wrapper, how much fun it is to give something to a person and have them unravel the wrapper. Help us, Lord, to celebrate the joy of giving this season. And as we pray uh, for those uh, who have been lifted up on our cards and those who are in our own hearts and minds, we thank you for your presence. Help us, Lord, to be present for them uh, with our hands, uh, with our feet, with our words, with our actions, with our stillness and listening to them describe uh, their story to us. Inspire us this morning, Lord, with the prayer your Son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. <laughs> Y'all go ahead and open them. It'll be fine. In fact, my mom has said a hundred times, and I've probably already said five times here, and I'll say it a hundred more times, hearing children in your service lets you know for a fact that your church is alive, that your church is doing something. Uh, so when we hear that, it's a very, very good thing. Um, as I mentioned last week, when our two services don't have a sermon in them, when you're not building a theme for, the, for both services, 
then I'm going to let whichever service I'm in, it's going to stand on its own. And so with this service standing on its own, we're just going to look at the typical lectionary text for this period of time, which is Advent. When you're in the season of Advent, it's a season of preparation. And when we hear these joyful songs, we say these joyful things, but then you put the word preparation in there, it can make life very difficult. What's it like to prepare your house for someone to come? What's it like to prepare the church for a bunch of people to be here? What's it like to prepare the classroom for the school year? There's a ton of work that goes into it. And um, that preparation can be entirely stressful. And so we're going to look at um, what John the Baptist says to the people as they are to prepare for Jesus' coming. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. So our first phrase is, buckle up. We're going to go fast. We're going to be moving very quickly, and we're not going to be pausing very long for you to understand. Imagine if someone came in the door and they were a visitor and I said, you viper, you need to lock it up before you walk in this door, right? I mean, what were the two words that I used for two weeks on you? What are the two words that we talk about all the time? Radical hospitality, not just hospitality of being friendly, but radical hospitality of reaching out to people in a way that they feel that they are wanted. So those people are coming, they're like, I hear there's good stuff going on. Let's go see what this guy has to say. You brood of vipers, lock it up. Wow. You know, in a different uh, gospel version, he's primarily targeting, targeting the religious leadership when he says that. And this one is more general. It's to the crowd. So which is worse? Going directly for the people who have dedicated their lives to understanding the scripture and calling them a brood of vipers or the general crowd? You, know, you could go either way. But he wants them to know that what they are doing is not close. And their walking up to him is not going to solve it. That there's a great deal of work that's to be done in order to prepare. I'm going to need you to buckle up because we're going to go quickly. You know those people that um, just say the thing that they're thinking right then? I mean, no matter what. I don't care what the situation is. I don't care if you're at the Thanksgiving table if you're in the boardroom, the CEO's at the end of the table. If you're in the church and we just gathered right before the service, whatever, this person, it, you know, it, it, it starts here. Bang. It's, it's on. Um, in some cases, those people have a lot of truth to share with us, and it's helpful. We go, dang, we didn't even see that. I'm glad somebody said something. In some cases, you know, it's random. John the Baptist is not sitting around saying, well, I don't know if I should say it. Maybe I should email it. Maybe I should be more thoughtful. Maybe I should text it. I don't know. Maybe I should, um, let me ask the three of y'all. Do y'all think it'd be okay if, no. Saying it. He's giving them the truth. Scripture continues. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then? The crowd asks. Now, what's good there is that's a buying question. You know, if you were a salesman and somebody asked that question, 
you got to take them down. you got to make that sale. You've got to make sure that this person buys whatever it is that you were trying to sell. It's amazing to me that they're asking him that when his words are so hostile to them. He wants to get a very clear point across, and it's our next phrase, the past, the present, and the future. He's saying, don't look upon your past in which Abraham led you all and you were doing significant things. In fact, that was your ancestors doing amazing things. The past can be an anchor. You could think, um, well, we were the greatest back then. I don't know that we should ever even try again. You could say, well, we were awesome back then. We don't ever have to do anything again. You could say, well, they had resources back then that we don't have now. Society was different back then than it is now. Whatever it may be, they had a great leader back then. We don't have a great leader now. Any, for any reason whatsoever, you can look back at the past, and the past, good or bad, can be an anchor holding you back from future positive decisions. He says, don't look back on all those championship banners that y'all have in your gym. We're going to need to do suicides today. We're going to need to run today. Because those championship banners were past teams back then. Nine is the axe is at the root of the tree. In fact, um, when you are going for ordination in the United Methodist Church, you have to go through it twice. One is for what's called commissioning, in which they're looking for potential that you can do this job. And then two years later, they, you have to do the same thing again, and it's for basically for tenure. Are you fully ready to do this job? And you've got to submit a Bible study and sermon and theological questions and, and questions about your personal life, of um, your health and well-being. And the scripture passage for our sermon was the axe is at the root and you better produce fruit or you're gone. I thought that was fascinating. I thought, really, people? Y'all being subtle or what? They said, what should we do then? That's what he says in verse 11. John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked what should we do? Don't collect any more than you're required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. So our next phrase is action. I'm not a math major, but I'm pretty sure I got that right. Actions are greater than words. Okay. I forget who's um, credited with the phrase, you know, show them Christ. You know, speak if you have to. Speak is a last resort, showing people what Christ would do. So those are three different levels of people. What should the, um, the, what, what should the general crowd do? If you got two shirts, give somebody one with no shirt. What's crazy about this is... Um, we have HBO, and I'm more likely to watch um, shows that I've seen before over and over again than I am to watch a new show. I just know for a fact that the, I love those old shows, and I'm going to see something different each time I watch it. So y'all are familiar with Seinfeld, but the guy behind the scenes of Seinfeld was uh, Larry David. And a lot of the stuff that George did on Seinfeld is basically Larry David. That's the way he is. So Larry David had a show on HBO called Curb Your Enthusiasm. 
that was very similar to Seinfeld, except even crazier. And the, um, the fascinating part of the show is they just had concepts rather than a um, script. So he would tell his people, we're going to argue over a shirt. The phrase just said, argue over a shirt. And they were going to do it. So I knew I was doing this text. I hadn't turned to Kirby Enthusiasm in probably five years. And I thought, on, Sunday, on Saturday nights, I'm already anxious about whatever's going to be. So I try to watch something that calms me down. So I watched Kirby Enthusiasm last night. He sees, he goes to a shirt. This is something George would do. He goes to a store, he sees a shirt, he buys a shirt, he loves a shirt so much he goes back and gets two more, just in case something happens. He goes immediately, he's wearing the shirt, and someone sees him in it and says, hey, I love that shirt, where'd you get it? And he goes, oh, no, they're out, there aren't any more. <laughs> and his wife says, no, no, you've got two more. And he looks like, what? Then something happens, he gets something on his one shirt, so now he's only got two left. His friend comes over to the house. He gives him the other shirt. He's got one left. A woman gives him a hug with a lot of makeup on. That ruins this shirt. That leaves one shirt left. This is all happening in the show. The two of them realize that there's only one shirt left, and this goes sit over there. They go and run for it, and they pull on it together until it rips in half. And every shirt is gone. All three of them are gone. But that sentiment, even though it's uh, total comedy and total insanity, is real. I, I can't give you my extra one because I may need my extra one. He says, people, if you've got two and you see somebody with none, we need you to give them one. I, I, don't, I don't need you to run a, a four-minute mile. I don't need you to do something insane. I just need you to do something any rational, normal, friendly person would do for a friend for a person who may not be a friend. Tax collectors come to him. Uh, what do you think? What should we do? He says, well, um, what are you supposed to collect? Uh, who knows what the actual number is, but say it's 27. Say the Romans are insane. Say it's 27. Say it's 33. Romans don't care how much the tax collectors collect from their own people as long as they get their 33. 38? 45? 51? Taking 51% from your neighbor because you know they have the money and you have the backing of the Roman army, and you're just putting that in your pocket. Imagine, I mean, we've laughed like five weeks ago about blowing leaves on your neighbor's yard or driving a truck through your neighbor's yard. Imagine taking 51% of your neighbor's income when you're only supposed to be taking 27. How, what would that do for relations going forward? He says, tax collectors. Don't collect any more than you're supposed to. Soldiers. These are young, impressionable boys that are an awfully long way from home. And if they're like, um, like I understand uh, armies to be at that time, you know, they're pulled out of their family. They're taught to be a soldier from a very young age. They're rarely with their family. They're put in the military. They're sent off some crazy place all over the Roman Empire. And if they're lucky enough to survive, they're not going to be coming back for a long time because they're holding all these positions. What do you think young, when you get young, impressionable boys together for an extended amount of time, they're going to make good decisions? I don't know. I, when I was that age, I didn't make tremendous decisions when amongst friends like that. He says, 
Don't intimidate people. Don't punish people. Don't yell at people. Okay? Actions much greater than words. Don't extort money. Don't accuse people falsely. Verse 15. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So the next phrase is, I am not the greatest. Who said I am the greatest? Muhammad Ali. And that was working for him. And in fact, he probably was the greatest. At his time, what he had going and the crowd that was following him and his style of fighting and the way he could win really was the greatest. Of course, what do we love to do with people? We love to um, build them up, 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 and then what? Who is this clown anyway? Let's tear this moron down and bring him down to us. I'm tired of even hearing his name. What's fascinating is he was yelling at all of them. He was telling them to change everything, and they all were buying in and saying, yeah, this is great. And in that moment, they say, we think you might be the one who's supposed to change things. We think you're the one that the prophets have told us about. Now, why would they think that? Because for generations back, prophets have had the job of understanding what God wants and looking at humanity and going, oh, man, we've got to fix this. Y'all have got to change so many things. We've got to fix it right now because if we don't fix it, we're falling desperately short of what we're trying to do. John the Baptist is in line of all those amazing Old Testament prophets who speak their mind on behalf of God. And so the people say, this guy's our champion. Let's lift him up. Let's put a crown on him. Let's tell, him that, let's tell everybody that they need to bow down to him. You know how intoxicating that is? Okay, I've been in different situations where I had a pretty decent idea, put the thing together, executed it in a way that I was hoping for, and what do the people say in the moment after? God, that went really well. You did a really good job with this. What's the, what, I mean, you know how easy it is to get, yeah, you know, I, I did do a great job with this. It was awesome. I did a good job with this. Um, I wonder if I should do an amazing job with every other thing, and people should give me even more credit for what I'm doing. In that moment, when people tell him, you are the greatest is when he steps back entirely. He steps back and he says, Mm-mm. no. Um, I know that y'all think I've got some words and y'all, I've got some influence and I've drawn y'all together, but there's someone who's far more critical than I. I'm just a messenger. Then verse 17, he cranks it back up again. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather wheat into his barn but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. With many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. Does that sound like good news? Does that sound amazing? There's a guy coming, and um, 
I don't know, third, half of us, toast. But you know why people think that's good news? Oh, I'm good. It's this moron. Look at this guy. I won't have to deal with this guy anymore. He's going to be the one that's gone. Okay? We never figure that Jesus is talking to us. We never figure John the Baptist is talking to us. We never figure the prophet Elijah is talking to us. We never figure that God is talking to us. We never think that we are um, the violent one, the selfish one, the stubborn one. We think it's those other people over there. So while it may be comforting to us to think, well, finally, somebody's going to drop the hammer on these dumb people in church. And I can rely on the greatness of everything that we've been before. John says, this this is all of us. All of us have to pay attention. All of us have to prepare our hearts and minds. All of us have to change. And we need to be ready for this little baby who's coming. Who's going to grow into a man. Who's going to call us to a level that we cannot possibly fathom. So the last phrase is a sense of urgency. Can you maintain a sense of urgency for a very long time? It's it's tough, isn't it? He says, in this moment, I want you to prepare. Advent and Lent have similar properties preparing you for Christmas and Easter. In both situations, you're looking at how am I, as a human being, impeding the message of God to God's people? So if you think, um, uh, do, do I want to hold on to things? Do I say negative things to people? Do I do negative things to people? Do I collect more than I need? Um, whatever it is that's pinching off the generosity of God to God's people. We have to think, okay, what kind of sense of urgency can I have in this season so that I can be a messenger for God? When we see John the Baptist lighting into those people, we have to think to ourselves, I wish I could be there. I wish I could change. I want to be the person who's going to bring about this message. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, help us not to look upon the past as the greatest that's ever been nor to sit back and rest and figure that the work is done. Help us when we look to the future to understand the way that we can bring about change is to acknowledge the present. Our opportunities are very simple opportunities here to preach your word. Help us, Lord, to speak with our actions far before our words and to understand that you, in fact, are the greatest and that we are merely messengers, bearers of your word. Give us a sense of urgency this morning, Lord, to prepare our hearts and minds in our church for your arrival. Amen. Please stand with me for our affirmation. You know what's funny about doing this with y'all? Y'all always wait one line to start. So when I say we are not alone, it's just me. (laughs) Y'all start with me. We are not alone. There it is. 
We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope in life, in death, in life beyond death. God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. Y'all did a good job of that one. Have a seat. I'm going to call up Mary Lee. She's going to tell us a number of positive things about the coming year. In this present year, she's going to tell us we are this close to being there. She's going to challenge you to help us in the remainder of this year, but we want to be entirely clear that we know many of you were already giving generously and sacrificed to help us. And if you are doing so, we're already grateful, and we will not um, pound on you. But we're just going to talk to you about making it through this year and then the great news about next year. Good morning. Um, if you will get, you had a sheet in your bulletin that was had some blanks, if you will just find that. And if somebody in each family will get something to write with, and if you don't have anything, the ushers have some pencils that they can pass out. So if you'll just let them know that you need a pencil because you're going to want to write these down. I promise you, you want to write these numbers down. Um, let's start with um, our information for the coming year. Um, I heard Kenna talk about generosity in her children's sermon, and Joe talked about generosity and, and God's call to us to be generous with what we have. And during the end of October and the beginning of November, you had lots of people stand in front of you during the service and talk to you about generosity. And I cannot tell you how greatly you responded. The generosity of our church family is incredible. You responded with love and generosity to our church. And the coming year is, I think, going to be a great one. So if you will get the sheet, it's called the Statistical Report on Consecration. It sort of compares this year to last year. That's what we're doing. So what we did in November of 2015 for the coming calendar year compared to what we did in November of 2014 for the calendar year we're in now. A total of 154 giving units completed estimate of giving cards this year. So in the month of November, we had 154 cards completed. That is compared to a total of 131 giving units that were completed last year, which is a huge jump. A total commitment for the 2016 fiscal year is $456,525. That is compared to the total that was committed for this calendar year of 2015 that we did back in November of 2014. That total was $348,060. That's over $110,000 more that we committed for the coming calendar year. Based on the average total of loose change during the past three years, we can expect to receive 
$933.68. That's just money dropped into the offering plate that's not claimed by anybody. <laughs> you know, they just drop it in. So that's the average for the last three years. So the number from the 2015 fiscal year compared to the number for the 2016 fiscal year is an increase of 33.4%. And that is amazing. The generosity that this church has shown is just overwhelming, and we greatly appreciate it. And I, I know that your church family will benefit from that and be rewarded by that, but I think that you will too. I think that each one of us that increased our giving, you will feel something in your heart that just makes you smile everywhere you go. Um, and Joe did comment about the, the finishing this year. Um, I know that about two months ago, the Finance Committee came and talked about the fact that we were sort of in a bind. We were already behind at that point in time, and each week we seemed to be getting a little bit further and further behind. And um, we asked if you could to help us out, and a lot of you did. We are so close to finishing the year in the black. <laughs> For, I don't know how else to say that. We are so close to finishing in the black. Um, and I know a lot of you stepped up and, and gave a little bit of extra, and we appreciate that. Your generosity has helped a lot. Um, but we need a little bit more to finish the year in the black. Not a lot. Um, we, we made that goal. We set the goal. I think the, the number we were told was about 80,000, that we were 80,000 behind in terms of finishing the year with a zero balance instead of with a negative balance. And we have made that up tremendously. We are now in the $20,000 range. So, I mean, that's huge. That's a huge change. Um, and I know that if you're like me and my family, you only have so much. And so when you've given, and you've given, and you've given, and you hear somebody else saying, but we need a little bit more, you, you know, you, you sort of turn off. And so we're not asking everybody to give a little bit more. We're just saying, if you can give a little bit more, it would be greatly appreciated, because we need just a little bit more to finish the year in the black instead of with a negative balance. So thank you for what you did for our church. Thank you for your generosity and the love that you have shown your church family through your generosity. So I want to thank y'all for participating in this process, but I want to thank Mary Lee for organizing this process, if y'all express your gratitude. Our budget for next year is not going to change uh, much at all. Um, we're just going to be so much closer to it, and when we have an abundance by going over with uh, non-pledge giving, it'll be able to go to the community, it'll be able to go to a number of different things, rather than just desperately hoping that we can pay the bills. It's, uh, it's a very positive step that we made, and I'm grateful. Uh, it's now time for our tithes and other offerings.
Please stand and sing with us. in peace. Share the good news. We got to do something. We got to do it right now. We got to be generous with our actions, with our words, with our patience, with our thoughts. Go forth in the peace of Christ. Amen.